Okay, turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 40. We are on the fourth part of a series called The Fellowship of the Holy, talking about God's purpose in creating humanity as it relates to uh, his desire for us to be in fellowship with him. And, and our backdrop that we've been using now for three weeks is Ephesians 2, where it says we are now in Christ seated in heavenly places. And what that means, you know, what the implications of that concept are, being seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And we've spent, I've spent three weeks going through that and breaking it down, so I'm not going to do it again. But the, the, the idea simply is God is, I mean, his whole desire, even before time began, his whole desire has been to open up the doors of fellowship that he shared in the Godhead that was perfect, that perfect, unbroken fellowship to open it up and invite humans into it. And that's where you and I sit now. And that's what Ephesians 2 is talking about. Because of his great love with which he loved us, God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, he's raised us up and seated us in heavenly places. The point wasn't so you could get more authority and start da-da-da-da-da. That does happen. Obviously, if you have influence and relationship with the Godhead, there's authority that comes. But the Ephesians 2, seated in heavenly places, is not primarily a comment on our authority. It's primarily a comment on our relationship and God's great love for us. And because of his great love, the relationship he's given us is this. We've been welcomed into the fellowship of the Godhead. We've been welcomed into the fellowship of the Holy. The fellowship that God, the Father, Son, and Spirit have shared from eternity past. You and I are now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he gives us the reason why he would do such a thing. Here I am preaching it anyway. Here he gives us the reason he would do it so that in the ages to come, he might show us the riches of his kindness and grace toward us. Ha! It's good, and it's going to get a lot better. That's called Christianity. I'm glad, I'm glad that he saved me, because this is the best deal going, bar none. Seated in heavenly places, fellowship with the uncreated God. And so we described how that is the pinnacle of our calling. And what we've done is mostly we've diminished the concept of purpose and calling and equated it to some job that we do in this age for 30, 40, 50 years. And we've imagined our calling, our whole calling to be some job you get to do in this life. And, and, and there are things that you get to do in God. In, in Ephesians 2, he says what they are to you. He says, you have, he says I've created uh, good works beforehand for you to walk in. He goes, I'm going to do some stuff with you. You get to do it with me. This is going to be fun. We get to do it together. But that is not our calling. Our calling is his calling. Our purpose is his purpose. We have been, Romans 8 says, called according to his purpose. 
And his purposes are vast and broad and way bigger than any job that we get to do in this age. There are ages to come. His purposes are eternal. He's got a lot more in his mind that you and I can deal with in our little pea brain. But at the, at the chief, at the principal focus of his purpose, we have this issue that he's actually invo- invited humanity into fellowship. So you and I have a much higher purpose than being a teacher or being a whatever, doctor, lawyer, whatever, whatever, preacher in this life. Those are great things. I'm glad you get to do them. I'm glad I get to do them. They're good works that he's created beforehand that we get to walk in. But our purpose is far greater than the job that we get to do in this age. Beloved, this is the internship. This is really, it's a training program. No, really. (laughs) It's the training program. Because you are a kingdom of priests. That's a really good job description. Far better than whatever you are now. Nuclear physicist, global marketing, whatever guy. Kingdom of priests. I don't care. Billions of dollars in transactions, stock market, whatever. You're a kingdom of priests. You've got fellowship with deity been welcomed in so there's a three-week summary i'm gonna wrap it up this week and talk about this issue of fellowship the actual point of the whole series fellowship and i'm not going to do a big message on fellowship we talked a little bit about abiding and fellowshipping with the holy spirit and our portion is pleasure I can't remember if I said this last week or not, but I'm going to say it again because it's on my mind. God creates the story, puts man in a place called Eden. Eden means pleasure. God creates Adam and Eve and puts them in a garden called pleasure. Thus, settling his intentions towards humanity forever. He starts the story in a place called pleasure. He says, in my presence is fullness of joy, and at my right hand are pleasures evermore. And then in Ephesians 1, he says, I have predestined you to be where? Before me, in pleasure, in love. Beloved, his kind intentions towards us are settled through all of the actions that we see in the scripture from start to finish. He starts a story in a garden called pleasure. He ends a story in a garden called the New Jerusalem with pleasure and glory as the heir. His kind intentions towards you have been established. What I'm dealing with right now as we're, as we're declaring these thoughts about fellowship with the divine, fellowship with the holy, is I'm dealing with the concept that God's intentions towards you are not kind. That somehow God doesn't want to fellowship with you. The biggest point of creation, as far as it relates to us, is that's why God made you, because he wants to be with you. Isaiah 40. Um, you know, I've been thinking about my best friend Jesus, and I am so happy. I'm just so happy. Ha! Huh. <laughs> oh, I 
pray that we'd all get buoyant in our soul, joy, filling our soul. Ah, oh, the standard of joy, anchoring your feet through trials and challenges that you can joyfully go through stuff because your picture is different than just focusing on this right here, right now. You have a broader picture of a broader calling and a broader purpose that you're even alive for. Your broader purpose is to fellowship with God. Isaiah 40, I want to just again talk about God. Maybe like no other chapter. I mean, there's several chapters that, that do this. But Isaiah 40, it just, the prophet just gets on a roll here describing the greatness of our God. Just work through a few of these. I just want to throw this out as the backdrop for today. Verse 12, talking of God. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Take the oceans, two-thirds of the planet. God goes, hey, some fish in there. <laughs> Measures them in the little, cup your hand, just cup it. It's that little part in the middle, the, you know, the little cup, the little hollow part that you could actually just hold a little water in there. Who can measure all the oceans in the hollow of his hand? Who measured heaven with a span? Yeah. Hundred billion solar systems. From there to there. Who can calculate the dust of the earth in a measure? Oh, it's about four ounces to me. Weighed the mountains in a scale and the hills in a balance. Verse 13. Who has, I'm adding my little commentary as I'm reading the verses. Who has ever directed the spirit of the Lord? Or as his counselor has taught him anything. You can't teach God anything because he knows everything. <laughs> he's unteachable. Not in that he's arrogant. He's unteachable because he already knows the answer. Look at verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket. All the kings, all their armies, all their riches... All of it, all their real estate, all their military, all their brightest minds and scientific prowess, all of the nations, all that they have, all that they possess, all the peoples, all the multitudes, they're all as a drop in a bucket. They are not, they are counted as the small dust on the scales. They used to take the scales and they would brush the dust off of it just to make sure they'd get a true measure. That's what they're saying this, the nations are. It doesn't really register, but might. That's the nations compared to God. He just brushes the dust. Look, 
He lifts up the islands as a very little thing. He can lift up islands. Look at verse 17. All nations before him are as nothing. They are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. All the riches of the earth, all the riches of the nations, all that the nations have to offer. Because it's, sorry, it's actually worthless to me. There's no value. Hearts matter, but this stuff doesn't even move me. Because he's arrayed in glory. In verse 22, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, <laughs> who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreads them out like a, twent, a tent to dwell in. He stretched out the heavens like a curtain. God's making 100 billion solar systems, and he goes, there we go. Like a curtain. Who are you, Lord? How great are you, Lord? He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth when he will also blow on them. They will wither. The whirlwind will take them away like stubble. Princes of the earth, they can all come up with their greatest strategies against God. God's answer is, blows on them and they're, they're like stubble. In verse 25, to whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Says the Holy One. Oh, I love just, I just love getting lost in the greatness of God. I mean, you could, you could just spend hours figuring out how much mountains weigh and, you know what I mean, the riches of all the nations and what the cumulative total is, the, the net worth, the amount of computing power there is on the planet. You could spend hours going through the nitty-gritty of these details to find out how colossal it is from a human vantage point and how minute it is from heaven's vantage point. And all of it would declare one thing. He is huge. He is awesome. He is great. Behold, our God is great, greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Oh, it's magnificent. Glorious in splendor, matchless in wonder. Oh, fiery, powerful. Who is like him? Highly exalted, gloriously arrayed, dwelling in unapproachable light, unapproachable light. I saw a news report the other day, they're going to send a a probing spaceship into the sun. And it'll get so many thousands of miles close and then it'll just dis- disintegrate. You can't Because they put all these heat shields on it and it's going to be pulling in data. And, and then after a while, they just know it's just going to burn up. And it'll be, it'll be thousands and thousands of miles away still. Just... And the sun... 
is like nothing. It's one star out of billions and billions of stars. It's nothing compared to the power, the glory, the the majesty of our God. Oh, he's so great, so great, so great. That backdrop is the one that makes my heart go, oh my gosh. When I consider that we are actually, the purpose for us living is to be friends with him. That guy wants to be friends with you. Oh. I mean, I don't really have much to say today. I'm just like, I'm in awe. We might beat the Baptist to the restaurant, but I want to think about these things just for a minute. Because I, I am so undone over my friend Jesus who likes me, who wants to be my friend. So you're sitting there, and uh, you get a phone call, and you hear an official person on the other side, and you say, is this, they say your full name, and you go, yes, this is. How can I help you? Well, my name is so-and-so. I am from the White House. President Obama has asked for a conference with you. Can two o'clock this afternoon work for you? Oh, come on. This, this is George from work. Are you messing with me, man? No, sir. This is so-and-so from the White House, and President Obama wants to meet with you. Da-da-da-da. And after you found out that it was legit, you'd be nervous. You'd be like, whoa, President Obama? This afternoon, lunch? You, know, you, you start like, you know, trying to calm yourself. Whoa, what's what? Man, oh my gosh, the president, president, the leader of the free world. Oh my goodness, he's going to meet with me. Secret service people show up at your house. Black cars with tinted windows. I mean, there's a, there's a cavalry card, you know, cavalry of cars that show up and boom. They walk out, they, you know, case the neighborhood and talking in their ears and their wrists and stuff. And they come walk, and then boom, he comes out, the limousine, boom, he's walking up to your house. You're like, oh my God. Do I, what do I call you? Hi, come in. Something to drink? I mean, you just, you would just be so, how do I even handle this moment? I honor and appreciate respect. And pray for our president. But the scripture says that all the nations and all the kings of all the nations are like nothing compared to God. Every leader of the known world could call you this morning and ask for a lunch meeting. And it would be nothing compared to the one that's already called you. He's already called you. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God has called you. Dwelling in unapproachable light, God has called you. The one who's got an emerald rainbow around his throne, he's called you. The one who's a consuming fire has called you. The jasper and sardius one, the one that's from everlasting to everlasting, the one that doesn't need a counselor, he's called you. He's called you. He's called you. You have a calling by him. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9. 
the Isaiah 40 God, the Genesis 1 God. God is faithful through whom you were called. That word is the term used throughout the New Testament regarding calling. Uh, predestined uh, according to his calling uh, having one hope of our calling that word calling many are called few are chosen that called that's the same word here God is faithful the Genesis 1 Isaiah 40 measures the heavens with a span God the God who measures the waters in the hollow of his hand God the God who all the nations are like nothing compared to him God God is faithful and he has called you he's called you into something he's called you into Fellowship with his son. Fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Called you. You were called into fellowship. Oh, I love this. I have the best, best friend. Fellowship. It's a Greek word, koinonia. And we translate fellowship. Great word. Great word. It's the concept of partnership, communion, fellowship, intimacy, participation, all that rolled into one. God has called you into, I think the user-friendly word is friendship. Friendship. You are called into friendship with the uncreated God and his son. I like how the apostle John says it in 1 John. He says, our fellowship, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And therefore, you and I, we can have fellowship together. Because I've got a friend, the uncreated God, and his son, the uncreated God. And because I'm friends with him and you're friends with him, then we can be friends too. And this, beloved, is the point. This is the point of why you breathe. There are so many other lesser issues that we're so worried about that swirl us around. We have so much energy that we expel concern about what this person thinks and what that person thinks or what's going to happen in the economy or with my job or with da-da-da-da-da, fill in the blank. And I tell you, those issues, while they're viable, they're issues that have to be addressed. You can't just throw away the processes, the natural things you got to deal with in life. They, they, will, they, they will propose questions and there will need to be answers for them. But I tell you, the answers and the, the way the problems look and, and the way that you address the, the issues of life, it all shifts when you really comprehend the uncreated God likes you and wants your friendship. He wants your friendship. Your highest calling is into fellowship with him and his son. And there is a vast ocean, a a great wide horizon 
of experience and fellowship and friendship with God that most have not even scratched the surface on. Most of us relegate our relationship with God to a short portion of our day we call a quiet time or we call getting the word, going to church and listening to somebody like me talk about it. I want to propose to you that getting the word is not about listening to me tell you about what I think it says. I want to do it because I want to be an encouragement. I want to be a help. I want to be a teacher and a preacher of the gospel of Jesus. I believe that's something that I get to do in this life as a good work he's prepared beforehand for me to do. But this is not how it is for you to get the word. I get to read you the menu. That's what I'm doing. I'm reading the menu every week. I read the menu. You getting the word is actually you going and dining. As weird as it would be for me to stand up here and go, man, there's a good restaurant. Oh, the owner likes you. All the free food you can eat. Oh, my gosh. Filet mignon. Oh, my gosh. Chicken tetrazzini. Oh, my gosh. And you go, "Mm, oh, my gosh. And then you leave and go, oh, that was good. After I talked about the food. That'd be so weird. That's as weird as it is if I get up here and talk about the word, talk about friendship with God, talk about the greatness of God, and then you walk away and go, wow, that was really great, him reading us the menu. There is a broad horizon, a landscape of experience in fellowship with God That's for you. Mostly what I do is I touch little portions of it and get up here and go, guys, it's good. (laughs) Or guys, I'm having a hard time with this part of it. Or guys, I don't get this. But he's good. And I just explain to you my touching of that, that horizon. But the horizon of friendship and fellowship with God, think about that, friendship with God. That's for you and I, that's for all of us individually to experience. You are called into fellowship. Called into fellowship. Who's your best human friend? You like to talk to them on the phone, like to hang out, like to find out what's on their mind. God truly wants to have that sort of vibrant life, vibrant fellowship with you. That vibrancy of best friendshipness. You are called into fellowship with the God of Genesis 1, and it's the most stunning thought. You've already been seated in the fellowship of the Holy. This is your portion. It changes everything. It changes everything. Turn to John 15. We talked in a previous week about abiding. Just a minute, we just scratched it barely. Jesus says it multiple times in the first few verses there. Abide, 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 abide. I think he's trying to get a point across that he wants us to be friends. He wants us to be connected. You know, I was thinking about it this week. Jesus dies on the cross And before he goes, he goes, it's better for me to go because I'm going to send somebody to you. His name is Helper. 
His name is Comforter. His name, another translation says, is Counselor. You're going to send the Counselor, Helper, Comforter to me, Jesus? Oh, yeah. Where is he going to be, Jesus? Well, I'm going to make sure that you guys aren't ever apart. I'm going to actually put him inside of you. (laughs) Wow, that's a little close, Jesus. He goes, you have no idea how close I want to be. He doesn't just send the Holy Spirit and it's like we have to call on the Holy Spirit to come near to us. He sends the Holy Spirit and he puts him inside of us. Can you get any closer than that? And Holy Spirit's name is Comforter. And I just feel like I just need a friend to just hear my issue and just work me through this. Just speak some words of consolation. Holy Spirit. Man, I just, I, man, I don't know what to do. I just, it's like I need somebody to help me. Holy Spirit. Man, I'm just, and I just, I need some wisdom. I need, I just, I need some counsel here. Holy Spirit. <laughs> Jesus equips you with the greatest friend. I love it. The Message Bible, it actually says, where, where Jesus said, I'm gonna go away, I'm gonna send you a helper. The message says, I'm gonna send you a friend. A friend. Holy Spirit, a friend. I love that. So he wants us to abide with him. He wants us to abide with Holy Spirit, our friend. He wants us to be in fellowship and and communion, that participation, that partnering with him, that koinonia. He wants us to be flowing in intimacy. And then look at how he does this. I just, this is fun. John 15. I love this. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. So, you know, all, all of us organized people, <laughs> we go, huh? Okay. You, you're giving me something to do. My commandment, love one another. Okay, good. Got it. Love one another. How do I do it? As you love me. Okay, okay, I get it. I got the two points. Love each other just the way you love me. Love each other just the way you love me. Okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna go out today. I'm gonna love one another the way Jesus loved me. I'm gonna love. I'm gonna do my to-do list in God. How, how exactly do I love one another as you love me, Jesus? He goes, glad you asked. Verse 13. Greater love is no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. He goes, all right, I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna lay down my what? What now? See, this love thing, he traps us. I'll prove it. He goes, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love that has no man than this, and he laid down his life for my friends. He goes, you're my friends. If you do that word whatever in the NIV and NAS is what, if you do what I command you, in other words, what I just commanded you. So how's this go again? You, you want me to do what you command. You want me to love one another and you want me to love them as you've loved me, and you want me to lay my life down, and I'll be your friend if I lay my life down. And then he goes, yeah, no longer do I call you servants, for servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. He traps us. He goes, I want to be friends with you. Do what I say, and we'll be friends. And what I'm saying is love the way I've loved you. It's a circular thing. 
He traps you in love. All you to do it, people, going out to do the word. We need to be doers of the word for sure. Doing the commands of Jesus, you will run right into love. Because <laughs> this command demands that you have to know how he loved you. Love them how? As I've loved you. And really, he says, man, I just wanted friends. I just wanted friends. I wanted to be your friend. It's like verse 13. I mean, we've, we've talked about that, I'm sure. That's been preached so many times. Greater love is no man than this. He laid down his life for his friends. God uses that term friend a few times in the scripture. Abraham, my friend. Moses spoke to the Lord face to face like a man speaks to his friend. And then Jesus takes it from these two prophetic figures and throws the door open. He goes, no, I died for you, friend. I laid down my life for you, friend. There is such a buoyancy in my heart a settling in my soul over this issue. The friendship of God. The fellowship of the holy. The friendship of God. And what I realize is this, that the more that this revelation burns brightly in my mind, in my soul, the, the more impenetrable my mind becomes to lies of the enemy that says God doesn't care. God doesn't hear. God's not there. God won't provide. Those things cannot anchor in you when you really, when you really believe what Jesus said. You're my friends. I don't just call you servants. I call you friends. I don't just call you slaves. I'm not just trying to get you to do something for me. I'm trying to be with you. I'm trying to be with you, friend. Friend. See, I, as I think about these things, it just makes me, it long, it makes me long to go be with my friend, which is actually the point. He calls us friends, he tells us love, and then we're compelled to go spend time with our friend. And you know what's the wildest thing? When we spend time with him, and I know we know this, but man, it's really true. I just started getting such a longing to love others. And that circle of John 12 through 15, 12 through 15, man, that thing really works. <laughs> Find out how much he loves you, and man, it just it blooms out of your soul. You just want to love someone else. You just want to love someone the way that he's loved you. You just want to be kind because he's kind to you. You just want to be merciful because he's so merciful. You just want to do somebody right because he's done you so right. You just want to be a friend because he's been such a friend. I tell you, beloved, this issue of friendship with God, it is our portion forever. Fellowship with the holy, it is our portion forever. And, and there's, a, there's a great deliverance that has to take place in our minds. A great deliverance. 
moving from servanthood to friendship. Moving from this thing, this orphan mentality that, that wonders if God is going to supply to, to absolutely being secure and safe in your soul where you know he's got you. There's such a settling power, the message of God's delight and his desire for you in friendship. Friendship with God. Friendship with God. Friendship with God. It's your portion. It's our portion. You are called in to friendship. Mm. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. 2 Corinthians 13, 4. I'm just loving this verse. This last it. And I just will stand. Let's just stand as I read it. It's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Fellowship of Holy Spirit. Be with you. Friendship should compel us to abide Friendship should compel us into prayer. Friendship should compel us into love. Oh, fellowship with Holy Spirit. And I did that in like 40 minutes. That's amazing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray, witness to us your delight and desire for friendship. Witness to us your desire for friendship. You wanted friends. So you made us. You wanted friends, so you did the cross. Witness to us, Holy Spirit, You who are the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the friend. Love that proverb, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Draw us into abiding, God. Draw us into the fellowship of the holy. Draw us into revelation of your delights. Just wait under this for a minute. God wanted a friend, so he made you. God wanted a friend, so he made you. He made you because he wanted a friend. He made you. He wanted a friend.